Hello, everybody. It's another Thursday night, and your wonderful, spectacular trio are back, even though we say so ourselves. <laughs> We've got the lovely Giselle with us, um, looking rather radiant this evening. Mm. The well-rested Ngum is back from her week away. She looks very well-rested, so guys, she might not be causing any yeah. trouble today because she probably cannot be bothered. That's how relaxed she's looking. <laughs> And we have a very special guest today. Today we have Christy Haley. If you're looking for her, she's on Facebook actually. Um, and if you're looking for her, you, you must search Christy with an IE, Dawn Haley, and that will take you over. And then you can see all sorts of wonderful things, what she does, her work. But we've got Christy with us tonight, and we're so excited to speak with Christy, not only because she's from Tennessee in America. So her accent will be completely different to ours tonight. You might have to just get used to it. And we're loving it. Christy, say hello to our wonderful sisters that are watching us. Hey, y'all. This is uh, Christy <laughs> Haley from Tennessee. We're about an hour outside of the country music capital of, of Nashville. And I'm so blessed and highly favored to be here. <laughs> Lovely, wonderful. Um, <laughs> We're just going to have a conversation with Christy, as we usually do with all our guests, just getting to know her a little bit, um, a bit of what she does, her faith journeys, her family, her life, um, where she's come from, and perhaps where she's going and what she's doing at the moment and what she's hoping and praying for. And um, finally, in a bit, perhaps we get a chance to pray for her and with her as well. Christy. Yes. Um, you are from Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you start or, or, or sort of your faith journey? When did that start? Have you always been a Christian or did you find Christ a bit later? So, um, you know, there's a there's a thing about Southern Baptist, the, the Tennessee Bible Belt. I had two grandmas that were devout Christian women, and they hauled me to church on Sundays. And until about the age of 12, um, my mother, who well, we're just going to be a little raw, um, my mother was a drug dealer. And around the age of 12, she introduced me to selling drugs. So anything that was going on between me and the Lord kind of came to a halt right then. Mm -hmm. So I was, that faith seed was planted mm. in, in a church. And then, um, then it's, you know, the enemy does what he does. He came in and he took over. And for many years, I, I did not go to church. I didn't serve the Lord. I was probably one of the enemy's biggest foot soldiers. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I started selling drugs in the sixth grade. And so how old were you? 12 to 12. So that um, would be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was about yeah, then. UK, I think. So year eight. Okay. So for our UK yeah. listeners, that's about year eight. Yes. And um, so where most kids would get up and maybe pray with their parents, um, I got up and rolled up marijuana joints to take to school and sell. Wow. And to me, that was normal. Um, that's what my mother had always done. So at my grandmother's house, we went to church and we blessed our food. But at my mom's, that's what we did. So that became my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it carried on into my 20s when mm -hmm. I began selling other drugs. And during this time, I had got married. I had four children. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't raising them to know the Lord. In my mind, I was so lost. I thought we, we were godly people. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know the difference. You know, I can remember 
um, being real lost and saying how blessed I was and not having a clue how, how blessed I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So through all so those years, what, what made you, what made you think you were blessed though? What, what in your mind? Oh, here we you? go. The root of all evil money. Money. Right. Okay. So you equated financial success with being blessed. I thought I was a successful woman. I was trafficking drugs all across the United mm-hmm. States with organized crime divisions, gangs, and it was a lot of money. It wasn't little stuff. So here I am, six or seven cars, multiple houses, everything you would want. Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton, you know, and I'm just so blessed. Nice. <laughs> so, okay. so blessed. Um Christy, can I ask, were you ever scared? Because I mean we see um how organized crime works in movies, or at least we get a glimpse of that world. And it can look very scary. Some very tough guys, people who would kill with no hesitation. And you look really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Were you ever scared? I was scared to death, honestly. I was um and I was telling some of my kids at work, I share my testimony with them. Um at one at some point I got a big head and I'm I'm five foot seven and at that time I was about 140 pounds. I would wear multiple I had guns, you know, one in my boot, one in my belt. And I thought, you know, no, I've gone nose to nose with some really bad people. Oh, and okay. I wasn't scared of them. I really that money made me think I was unstoppable. Um, now I was scared of getting out of that life because I was, you know, you can't leave that life. You know, once you're in, you're not supposed to be able to leave. So I thought I was in for life. I accepted it. Um, not only was I a drug dealer, I was an addict. So I had accepted the fact that I would die an addict and I would die in, in the game and the organization. Wow. So because you said you, you you thought you would die an addict. Did it ever occur to you that if you die, you could go to hell? Was that even a concept for you? You know, in my mind, no. I really thought I was going to go to heaven. I really thought, I didn't know God. I didn't know what the word of God said. I I didn't know that. You know, you hear everybody say, well, God loves you just the way you are. But mm-hmm. yes, he does. But that's not going to get you in heaven. And I didn't know that. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, okay, so fast forward, you're in your 20s. You're living this life that is a wealthy life and a prosperous life. And you equate that to being blessed by God in your mind. So at what point then did you actually stop and think, well, maybe I've got this all wrong. What, What was the trigger for you? Oh my goodness. So one day I remember, I'll never forget this day. It was, it was March of 2012 and I was getting ready. I had got up, bagged up a hobo. I sold, can I say the drugs I sold? Can I, can yeah, I be raw? Okay. Yeah. So I was a heroin dealer and heroin has really destroyed our country. I would get up, send my kids off to school, dress up, you know, everybody in my community. I lived in a very nice neighborhood, a gated neighborhood. Everybody thought I was a successful businesswoman. They didn't know because I had all this, you know, they thought I owned a small or a big successful business. Mm -hmm. So I get up, I send my kids to school. I put my makeup on, I get ready. And then I go sell drugs. I would drive all through Nashville and sell drugs. In my brand new car that I listen to trap music in. Can y'all imagine me listening to trap music? I can't even imagine you doing any of the things you're saying right now. But I'm just kind of going along with it. To think what trap music is. I should know this. I can't remember. Okay. Trap music in the United States, it 
So Christian music, think about when you're vibing with Christian music and you got some praise and worship on and you connect to God through that worship. You get to praise and worshiping. And the next thing you know, Mm -hmm. you're connected. You can feel the Holy Spirit. Well, this music traps you to go straight to the the devil. It is rap about murder. Thank you. Guns. Yes. uh, Murder. Drugs. Right. We call it it from the South. Yeah, I think I yes. remember it. Yeah. So I always listen to that. Always. The devil does that. He keeps our thoughts. Um, he takes captive our thoughts through music and, and things that we see. So I was always watching murder movies, always listening to the bad music about murder. But this certain day, I got up. I got in my car with that big old bag of heroin fixing to go sell and I did not turn any music on. So I had that brief moment. It was a beautiful day. The birds were chirping, fresh spring air coming through the windows of my car. And I got hit with conviction from God. He hit me. He hit me so hard. I had to hit the brakes, the guilt. So I pulled over. And I sat in front of this lake and I was like, God, is that you? Do I feel, what is this? And he spoke to me and kind of like what happened to Paul. This is how I can, Paul on the road to Damascus. The Lord hit me like he hit Paul. He didn't blind me or anything, but he did convict me. He convicted me because I was destroying people by selling drugs. So I turned around and I went back home. I shut my phone off. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't even have a Bible then. Um, I, well, I had a little Gideon's Bible. I grabbed that Bible and I just said, God, I put my hand on it. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I get out of this? I need you to help me, God. I'm stuck. I'm in this organization. I'm tied with these people. I can't just walk away. How am I going to pay my bills? My children had been raised a certain way. They expected mom to take them to the mall and drop them off with a thousand dollars so this is so strong the way god worked in my life so there are hundreds of churches in nashville tennessee i picked a church and i said i'm gonna go so when my kids got home i was sitting there they're used to me having forensic id or something playing i'm sitting there and i said sit down guys we're fixing to change. Life is fixing to change. We're going to go to church. Well, my kids associate church with somebody died. And my son says, who died? <laughs> who died, mom? I said, no, nobody died. We're fixing to find a new way to life. One of my daughters was upset. What are we going to do, mom? How, how are we going to have this life if you quit selling drugs? So I told them, I'm stopping selling drugs. She says, well, how, how are we going to afford to live this way? And I said, we're going to trust God. That's what we're going to do. I thought it's a long story. Um, a month later, uh, someone in my family said that they needed a lot of heroin on the front. So, I'm like, okay, I meet that person, very, very close person in my family, uh, my sister, actually. So I fronted it to her, and the next day I went to pick the the money up, and it was a setup. It was the FBI. I, I was arrested. This is one month from that day that I prayed in that parking lot. I'm arrested and I'm put in the front seat of a truck. Now, in between that day I prayed and this month that I'm arrested, I had been attending church while on drugs, going to the bathroom and doing drugs in the bathroom. The man who arrested me, the FBI agent, we were sitting in the front seat of his truck. I was handcuffed and he says, do you recognize me? And I said, no, you're a cop. How am I going to know who you are? He said, you've been coming to my church. So out of all those churches in in Nashville, I had been going to the church, to the church with the man who busted me. And I knew I was headed to prison. So um, he knew that too. 
he put his hand over my cuffed hands and he said, I'm, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray that by the time you get out of prison, you're going to know the Lord and God's going to give you a new life. And that prayer with that FBI agent that I had been going to church with set me up. He gave me hope. If God can send me to a church with somebody where there's hundreds of thousands of people who's actually going to pray with me at my weakest moment, there might be some hope. Wow. That is just, it's like listening to like an audio movie guy. This is, yeah, this true. is just amazing. I can even picture it. I can picture the scene in the car. I really yeah. was seeing it in my head. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, it's just, I think one of the lessons learned so far is don't envy anybody else because you don't know what they're going through in their yeah. lives. You don't know what they have to do to keep up appearances, as we say over here, and keep up a certain lifestyle. So be content and be glad with your lot in life because. Um, people that often look su successful or look rich um, often, you know, sometimes have had to sell their souls away to, to, to get to that position. Not everybody, but sometimes, you know, people have had to do some terrible things to get to where they are. So, um, you know, one of the lessons learned is don't look at other people with envy or jealousy because you don't know what they're going through you don't know their backstory um, the lord has placed you exactly where he wants you to be um and also just find quiet times because it was in a quiet moment i know sometimes the world bombards us with messages and, and music and, and audio tapes and tvs and, and children are going and pets are, are barking and, and, and whatnot else but it's interesting that it's in the quiet moment when you turned on your car and decided to not turn on the radio, not turn on music. Just in that quiet moment, you actually gave space to hear the Lord. So, you know, maybe that's something we should practice more in our lives. Just practice being quiet. Just practice mm. sitting there in the quiet. Because you never know what, what God's trying to tell you. But you're so busy. There's so much noise, quote unquote, um, in your life that you're not even able to hear the woods for the trees, you're not even able to hear God if he's trying to say something to you. So maybe this one's funny. Um, daily, if you can, if not weekly or even monthly, or even try bi-monthly. Let's <laughs> find that quiet time where you're not God. Here I am. I'm quiet. I'm not listening. I'm not talking. I'm not listening to anything else. I'm just here. Mm -hmm. Whatever you have to say to me, just speak to your servant if listening. Because in those times, you can quite often hear, you will very often hear God say, well, actually, now I've got your attention. Because this, that, this, this, and the other. <laughs> yes, he can speak you. to us. <laughs> yeah, you kind of like, well, now I've got your attention. I could have stopped you dead in your tracks months ago, but I chose to let you live your life and wait for you to wait on me, wait for you to wait to want to hear from me. But now I've got your attention. This, 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 and this is what you've been doing that I want you to review. And it's just such a powerful um, thing that you've shared with us, Christy. And, and also, that FBI agent is a real testimony to mm. faith on the front line. Um, yeah. He didn't shirk his respons the responsibilities of his job. He didn't try to make you feel like it was okay. Um, he gave you hope, but he, he, he prayed with you. And... You know, it's not every job will be able to allow you to do that. But even if you can't pray with the person, pray for them. Mm -hmm. um, right. You don't have to pray for them in the hospital if that's against your job's policies. You don't have to pray for them in the prison cell if that's against the policies of your corporation or your job. But pray for them. And, and yeah. sometimes just tell the people, I'll pray for you. Um, yeah. and, and people remember that. People remember they that, do. especially they at their do. lowest. At the lowest point, you don't have to make a big hoo-ha about it. You don't have to, you know, go to a school or a hospital and, and, and say, oh, I want to pray for you here, here and now so you receive your healing. Because God transcends mm -hmm. time. He transcends space and time and boundaries and corporate rules 
and, and, and governance and you don't have to do it there and then. You can just turn mm. around and say to somebody, I'll pray mm-hmm. for you. And if you can there and then, pray for them. But if you can't because, you know, there are man-made policies and procedures in place that stop you from doing that, please do not annoy your bosses by trying to do it in an inappropriate place. Just say to the other person, I'll pray for you. Or I'll pray for you tonight at 9 p.m. Feel free to join me if you feel able to. I've done that. And sometimes people join in. And when I see them the next day, they're like, oh, actually, I was praying as well. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Imagine that, lifting our voices up. God transcends time and he transcends space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can say to somebody, you know, I'll be praying for you at 8 p.m. tonight. Feel free to join me if you, if you feel able to. Um, and you just know that somewhere, someone is lifting you up in prayer. But that FBI agent, um, you know, that, that story of faith on the front line, that's really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And when, you know, when you go to church, you're representing Christ. When you're out working, you're representing Christ. And so don't let people see a different version of you in church and they see it out on the street on a Monday or a Tuesday. Don't mm. let them see a praise the Lord, hallelujah, God bless you on a Sunday. And then on a Monday, they don't even want to look at you. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just so wonderful. And 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 it's interesting that your kids were asking you all these questions as well, because the enemy, you know, almost like Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The enemy will often try to use those that are closest to us to keep us trapped in the way that he wants us to. And I'm so grateful for your strength of, of faith and conviction at that point to say God will provide for us. Um, because, you know, Jesus, Peter was trying to tell Jesus, you know, don't, don't do that. And Jesus just said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. And he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was recognizing Satan was trying to use Peter to get him to fault him. Yeah. I mean, he rebuked him straight away. And so sometimes I think we pray for that um, discernment to be able to see when the enemy's up. Like, and maybe when the enemy is trying to use those that are closest to us mm. to cause us to fall or, or remain in, in a sinful life. And know that it is not your loved ones that are wanting the worst for you. It's the enemy. Um, and perhaps when we're praying also pray that our loved ones don't make themselves open to be used in that way mm. and, and plead the blood over them and cover them so that they will not be used by the enemy to cause us to remain in sin um but yeah so you've, you you went to prison you came out and by then i presume you found you'd found god in, in and um so fast forward how did how did life look like on the other side of, of a prison sentence Horror, I so, um, I my walk with Christ began on a actually on a beach before I went to prison. Um, I had nine months between the time that I got busted on that day until well, about a year before I actually was locked up, and mm-hmm. I had a horrible drug addiction. Mm-hmm. I was using. Um, three grams of heroin a day and I I didn't want to anymore I was sick of it so I began to try to figure out how I'm going to get off this stuff and one morning I took I took my daughter on a on a birthday vacation to Florida and we got up one morning and went to walk on the beach it was real early and I was still trying to find God at this point and I asked God, if you're here, you know, I started asking those questions. I need, mm-hmm. I need a sign. I need to see something. Mm-hmm. So my daughter and I are walking on the beach at 630 in the morning and we see something in the distance. There's people in the water and I had stuck my foot in the water and it was cold. So I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what are these people doing in the water? There's nobody on the beach. We get closer and it was Cuban refugees that had just hit the United States. And they were getting baptized. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. What a sign. You want to yes. get a sign? <laughs> yes. You saw one. And <laughs> you got a sign, all right. Yes. And I was still using at that point. Um, then, this is where it's fixing to get, or oh, this is where Jesus showed me himself. A couple months later, 
on Christmas Day, and I was still battling evil. I had spent all night the night before out. I had spent my family's Christmas dinner money. So at this point, I didn't have a car, didn't have a house. We were living with someone else. And we went to Shoney's, which is a a restaurant in the United States. And when we pulled up at Shoney's to go eat, the car sitting beside of the one I was parked in, this little light shone off of the dashboard and it hit my eyes and it caught my attention. I looked in the car and I saw a picture of, you know how people put a picture on the dashboard. There was a picture on this person's dash and I looked in and I didn't have God in me yet. I said, Ooh, that's an ugly person. Why would anybody put an ugly person on their dash making fun of them? Well, my daughter who was 15 she looked in, she wanted to see the person too. And she said, mom, that's a postcard and it's got Jesus on it. I said, what? And I went back and I looked and it was, it was a postcard with that pose of Jesus where he's got his hands out like this. Mm-hmm. Ah. <sighs> yeah, that hit me real hard. So I went into Shoney's and so for the life of a drug addict, it's, it's not like everyone else. My family went and sat down and I, I hightailed it to the bathroom because I, I was a needle user at that point And I had a needle with heroin in it that I was going to shoot up. And when I got to the sink and looked at myself and I was about to use it, God showed me what I looked like on the inside. And it was bad. It was very, very bad. Um, I saw, I saw me for the lost, but evil. I had evil in me and I saw it and I hit my knees and I began to cry out to God on the floor of that dirty bathroom. And I threw the heroin away right that, at that moment. I flushed it. And that was really hard for me. You know, a drug addict, that's that's what we live off of. But God showed me something. He showed me a love that I was going to learn to live from. And I trusted him. And then about two weeks later, in my bedroom, there was a, a Christian song that came on. I finally decided to listen to Christian music. And I was still battling trap music. And I wanted to listen to Little Wayne that morning. But God said no. <laughs> of all the people... God said, no, we're going to listen to some Christian music. So I didn't even know any Christian songs. I just put Christian music radio and Pandora and this beautiful song by Jeremy Camp that says, give me Jesus came on. And it just so happens that song was a live recorded version from his concert. And he had an altar call in that song. And I went to the altar in my bedroom and I gave my life to God. Amazing. <laughs> and that wow. was the beginning of a beautiful journey. I went to prison and there were drugs there. And I said, no, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I'm not going to let this prison time be in vain. So I began searching the scriptures and God began to transform me. He started with my dirty mouth. I had a horrible mouth. I took his name in vain a lot back then. It stopped my thoughts. You know, that scripture, we take captive all thoughts unto the obedience of Christ. When a bad thought would come, I had actually, I had a little piece of paper I would keep in my pocket and I put tape over it. That's a prisoner's lamination machine. (laughs) I put tape over it so that I could fill it. And anytime I felt a battle coming on, I stuck my hand in my pocket. And I remembered that scripture that was in my pocket that said, I take captive all thoughts into the obedience of Christ. And before I knew it, I was shouting and praising the Lord behind the walls of prison. God began to build a ministry in there. And that ministry took off and I began to lead all these prison went women in prison to Christ who used me. I wrote Bible studies 
I preached. Um, it just took off. And my time came to leave. And I'm going to tell you, um, just fast forward a little. I've been out of prison five years. And I'm yet to worship with anybody the way I did with those women in prison. Because the women in prison, they're... They're not affected by the negative things in the world that we are. They don't have social media. They don't have cell phones. All they have is their Bible and their relationship with God. And Mm. that is where I've had the best worship in my whole life. Mm. I wish they would let me back in. I would go knocking. Hey, can I come worship with (laughs) (laughs) y'all? Oh, wow. Can I just ask? Um, in terms of you b- building a ministry in prison, what did the prison officers there think of what you were doing? Did the imp- impressions of you change from when you first came to when you became a minister in prison? Oh, okay. There was one man. I call him Chap. He was a chaplain. And we're still connected today. He was the one person the prison officers tried to shut it down because where I was, they were crooked. So a lot of the prison officials were bringing drugs in. Matter of fact, they came up to me when I first got there. They knew my charges and they tried to get me to sell drugs for them and I wouldn't do it. And from that point on, they made my time hard. They tried to shut down everything I was doing. But the chaplain, chap, he, I would write Bible studies in my cell and they tried to stop that from happening. But it was my right, so he would come get those studies, and he would go copy them, and then he would distribute them around the whole prison. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well done. That's on the front line. <laughs> wow. Another one on the front line. and Exactly. Yeah, so um, I've tried to go back. They won't let me in. They refuse. It's still the same people in charge. But... Everybody thinks, oh, the poor people in prison. Oh, my gosh. The Christians that are there, the people who are doing life, that's who are not affected by the things of this world. Oh, those are some holy filled, holy ghost filled believers. Wow. Okay. So fast forward now. You said you've been out of prison five years. What are you up to at the moment? What are you what are you doing? Um, What what does life look like? this side of um, salvation? So I've had to learn. Um, You know, I came out a Christian woman. I've had to learn some things. Um, There's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out here. Mm -hmm. And so now I am currently, I'm a minister, so I evangelize um, when I can. I haven't been the past year or so. I've really been focusing on myself. But Um, I have a Narcan ministry, I call it. So all the people fighting addiction, they're afraid to call the police Mm -hmm. if somebody overdoses. So they'll call me sometimes in the middle of the night to to come to a dope house and Narcan the person. Mm -hmm. I've had people brought to my home nearly dead with low blood pressure and low heartbeat, but we will administer Narcan which stops the effects of the drug and then with my daughter's help who was in nursing then we would pray over them most of the time they end up going back out and overdosing but and I know that I know you know hopefully there's going to be that one but if not I want to plant the seed of faith and lead them to Christ so that they can know Jesus before they go back out it's it's that's one thing i do the narcan ministry with addicts um Mm -hmm. i am married now to a wonderful man who i met in the gym Mm -hmm. he is (laughs) yes he is my partner in jesus work so we we both work together at a christ um it's a non-profit organization a christian faith-based organization we get kids between the ages of 13 and 17 
mm-hmm. with a co-occurring issue. So substance abuse and mental health. Mm-hmm. 99% of these kids come from homes who are, they're being raised by their grandparents. Usually one of the parents is deceased from an overdose or both of them are deceased or they're both incarcerated. So we're getting kids who don't know Jesus, who don't know structure, and we're helping them plant the seed of faith. And mm-hmm. like my husband is teaching his boys how he's working on leadership, how, how to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. And wow. I'm, I'm teaching my girls the hardest thing I've had to learn, which was being being submissive being a submissive woman that's that word that's we supposed to be submissive are we you see how red my face is (laughs) so i teach them about the the godhead you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the first things I teach my girls and they don't want to hear it either. They're like, oh, Miss Christy, I don't want to listen to a man. And I'm like, well, if there's a man in your life, that's the way it's supposed to be. God, your husband and you. I am also in college studying for my master's degree and I want to be a, well, I'm going to be a licensed therapist for mm-hmm. girls um, I have my ministry. I speak some. Um, still writing Bible studies mm-hmm. and still communicating with my ladies in prison. We we do God's work wherever we're at. If it's mm-hmm. in the line at the Dollar General, you know, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. just wherever God opens that door, we are working for Him. Yeah. I have learned to be humble. God is humble. Ooh, that, that was hard too. I was used to. So, oh, let me add this. So last year, mm-hmm. I was, I owned a painting business and I was praying. I was making a lot of money. You know, I had found the real money, the legal money. <laughs> I was making the the stuff I won't go to prison for. I was making about $30,000 a month and that equaled up to, you know, two fifty, three hundred thousand a year. We had a nice house. We had new cars. I did not feel, I wasn't happy. So I started praying, Lord, where am I supposed to be? And I spoke it into existence. <laughs> I made a Facebook post that said, if I could do anything, it would be full-time ministry, but I have this painting business, so I can't do that. About a month later, I fell 30 feet from a ladder and broke my shoulder. And this is where God came in. So my son was supposed to speak at this faith-based organization where troubled teens go. And the Mm -hmm. night before he was supposed to go, he couldn't. So I said, well, I'll go speak. And I went and spoke there. And they said, do you want a job? And that's how I got the job there. Oh, amazing! So, <laughs> about divine orchestration. Yeah. So I closed my business. My husband worked with me. We closed our business, making thirty grand a month. We make fifteen dollars an hour now, and it's so hard. But God has provided everything. Mm. Everything. He is, we have not been hungry. Our bills have been paid. We did have to sell the, the car because the car that I had, the payment equaled one check where I work at now. And I hated to see that car go. Oh, it's brand new. But God has provided me with a 2001 Buick, Christ, a Buick Park Avenue. Woo! <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, so wow. I told my, I told my I... husband we can... We just put some wheels on it and tip the windows. I appreciate what a Buick is. I do, my dear. I appreciate that. picture what a Buick looks like. An old classic to a 2001. Yeah. (laughs) With only 157,000 miles on it, too. (laughs) Your face says it all. Oh, yeah. You see how God, you really see how God has been all over her life, you know. 
He yeah. gave her the he gave her the way out of from the gang, the horrible gang of drug dealers she was with, mm -hmm. by being arrested. So you, mm. you, you had you had to pay your yeah. uh, uh, you had to repent and pay your penance, but he got you out of that, and he, he showed up big time all over your life. You know, on the beach, seeing the the Cubans being baptized, he showed mm. up then. He showed mm. up in the bathroom. Oh my goodness! And if I could just get rid of this business and preach all the time, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> give you a broken right? shoulder for your wow. <laughs> request. Uh -huh. Interesting. Sometimes what you think is a bad thing is actually a good thing because mm -hmm. for all you know that arrest actually saved your life. Yeah. It could have been a deal gone wrong and you could have ended up dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a quick question though, Chrissy. Sure. How do you know Giselle? We met in a Christian Giselle's <laughs> Oh, you said, how do you know her? Because how do you know Sister Giselle? Because Sister, honey, you're from the street. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, if this was a movie, I can just see Giselle having a role in it, but I want to know how she comes in. No, 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 nothing as grand as that. As Christy says, we met in a prayer group. And it's just one of those things we've, been friends on Facebook, what now for? Oh wow! Well, you're out of jail. Like five, you're out of jail five years. I think you came on to Facebook, you came on to social media, and everything just days when you come out of prison. So I would say five oh, years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, five mad, years. We, yeah, that's yeah. right. Because I've seen you come out of prison. I've seen you rebuild your relationship with your children. I've seen you have wow. problems with uh, your son, but hallelujah, he's all back again and he's absolutely brilliant he was just rebelling a little bit i've seen you plant the church the cowboy church yes wow yeah. see, a, shot, a, shot, a, shot, a cowboy image in my head i could see like just spinning some gun and walking into a saloon well, well, listen, you know. didn't, didn't Christy say earlier that she carried a gun in her boot and everything? Can yeah. you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> Mama G with her gun strapped to her waist as well? Sure. You know, imagine you. You. <laughs> oh, yeah, and a and a, and a cowboy uh, uh, church. Oh my goodness! And uh, I've, I've I've seen you through a lot since you've come out of prison. Yeah, and so and sometimes you take a rest from social media and you just disappear. But then other times, as soon as she comes back on again. She was on the tippy tappy mm -hmm. right away. Hello, Giselle. Just thought I'd send you a message, and, oh. and that's it. So it's it's a friendship. It's a sister. It, we're family, and it's mm -hmm. one that God has brought together, and mm -hmm. we will continue so until well, even when when we're in heaven, we'll continue. We will continue oh, being friends. God. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know, you'll be in the racket corner in heaven. There'll be prefects in, in heaven because of you. Do you know something? <laughs> We haven't argued yet. But we'll have an argue, <laughs> Jay. Like, I need a panadol. <laughs> That's good. I know everything has passed away, but I need a panadol. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's oh, been... Oh, but that's such... Go on, go to pass it on to the next generation. And I'm I'm hugely encouraged by that. You're not yes. cowering in a corner. You're not ashamed of your experiences and, and where you've come from. Sometimes as Christians, we can always kind of feel like, oh, I don't want to be reminded of how bad I was. I only want to be seen for how good I am. But sometimes in order to be able to pass on our faith to those who are still waiting to be redeemed, they really, truly need to see how bad we were and to really oh, yeah. appreciate where we are now. And I think that's, that's, that's a huge source of encouragement um, that you're using your faith and you felt compelled and, and called to do so to the point where you were will, willing, as, as Jesus said to the first disciples, to um, leave your fish and your boats, your nets and become fishes of men. And I think yes. you, your life has embodied that. You have been willing to put aside money and career and, 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 and 
you know, financial success and, and become fishes of young minds um, you know, and to turn young minds to Christ. And I think that's hugely um, encouraging, but also I applaud you for that. And I celebrate the the glory of God in your life that's, and, and the Holy Spirit working, that's enabling you to do that and to do so contently and to do so and recognize. Because sometimes as Christians, I think we can kind of be like, Oh, you know, I'm holier than now. I'm, I'm here now and I'm happy. But I, I like the fact that you missed the things that you had before, but you're equally content with what you have now, knowing that God has provided or God is providing for your every need. And you're not kind of oh, going, oh, the cars were bad. And, you know, that you, you said <laughs> that you, you had cars, you had the life. And, and you said that, you know, all of that's gone. But now you've got a 2001 Buick and it's not the best. But it does the job and you're content with that. And I, I like that about you because I think as Christians we need to be, because sometimes we can always kind of demonize the things of the world. But that's not, you know, the Bible says the love of money. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And I think we can still have money and we can still enjoy those things and, and, and enjoy God. But we could also equally still enjoy God and be content with the little that he gives us. Um, because we shall lack for nothing we shall want for nothing in his presence that's you so know. true oh it's so true i'm so grateful to him i tell god all the time even through the hard stuff and that you know i do have hard times but i know now immediately i can remember back in the old in the days before christ when old times would hit you know, I didn't know what to do my life felt like it was falling apart but i still i still come under attack but when I do I know where to turn I know number one to thank the Lord thank mm -hmm. thank God for everything I have but to call out to him the Bible says that you know call call out to me and I will come and in those times mm -hmm. even like last night we my husband and I were driving home from work at midnight and we had a flat mm -hmm. and thankfully it didn't blow all the way out because we were on a back road and in the in the so I'm learning terms with young people and they one thing they say is send it okay that means go till you stop so I told my husband we were riding down through there with a riding on a flat like this I said send it go till we get home <laughs> luckily we made it we made it home on the flat and wow. I just know that I just know God's going to do some amazing things for us because there there are Turns out that ladder I fell off of, um, it wasn't my fault that I fell. The ladder bent and come to find out it had been recalled and the ladder was not made properly. So I do have an attorney and um, some other things that happened. I ended up with a broke shoulder. I was misdiagnosed by the hospital and I've walked around with a broke shoulder in pain for months not knowing that it was broke I just found out that so there's a chance that we're going to come into some money to take care of medical bills because I, I had been off work we have some plans mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that God is wanting us to open so there's a lot of rehabs there's a lot of institutions but there's not very many that where the the, the good news is really taught. There's a lot mm -hmm. of places that'll get your child or your your loved one, and you could pay ten thousand a month, and they get rehabilitated. Most of those places don't teach the word of God, and that's the that's the true mm -hmm. rehabilitation. So if everything turns out, and even if we don't get that, we're going to be praying on how we can open up a facility that even if I have to live there full time to make sure it's ran properly. So all my kids have moved out. It's me and my husband. And by the way, all my kids know Jesus now. Oh, and wow. <laughs> I was going to ask all... you that, actually. Wow. Yes. That's a testimony. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So wow. It's been a, yeah. That's good. Just, be, just before we end, maybe one of the ladies in the live stream, lovely lady called Sharon, not our Sharon, another Sharon, she says it's a wonderful and inspiring testimony. It yeah. is, and it really Thank is. You, Sharon, mm -hmm. all glory to God. Mm -hmm. Without Him, 
we wouldn't be, I would not be sitting here with y'all if he hadn't have moved in my life. I would probably be in the ground waiting for judgment day and my judgment would not be good. Mm, wow. Thank you so much, Christy. It's been, it's been <laughs> such a wonderful conversation. Um, please let, yes. let, let's pray for you before, before we yes, go. Please, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Christy. We thank you for her friendship with Giselle. We thank you for the introduction. We thank you for a wonderful, sunny person that she is. Thank you, Lord, because her light doesn't seem to have dimmed, and regardless of all that she's been through in life. Thank you for where you've brought her from. Thank you, Lord, for where you're taking her to. Thank you for the moments when she's called out to you and you've answered her. Lord, we thank you for being ever-present and um, ever-faithful. And Lord, for the promise that you will never leave her nor forsake her. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to that promise. We ask, Lord, that um, you would help all those listening to her testimony to remember, Lord, that no matter how far gone down a particular path they are, they should always remember that they're never too far away from the love of God. And he's just waiting with open arms to receive and welcome them back if only they would turn to him. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would be with Christy, be with her children and her husband and her work and her ministry. Lord, we ask that you would bless them as only you can. Help them, Lord, to continue to rely on you and depend on you, not just for their everyday needs, but also for their eternity and salvation in you and paradise. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time she's given up to, to speak and share with us today. We ask, Lord, that... Um, she will feel walk away from this feeling refreshed and rejuvenated and encouraged just as we have felt listening to her and speaking with her thank you lord for your grace and your mercy that are new every morning in each and every one of our lives thank you for the gift of salvation that we can very often take for granted but know lord that it is no small thing help us to continue to remember this and give thanks to you all the days of our lives in jesus name Amen. 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 That was beautiful. God Thank bless you. Thank soul, you so much. Bless you. It was so lovely. Thank you so much for sharing. Let's say bye Mr. bye. To, let's say bye yeah. bye to everybody on live stream and who will be listening on Spotify and all the other podcast uh, outlets and on YouTube playback and everything. And it's a donate bread. And Christy has said, and we all we we, we say every week. If you listening to us tonight don't know Jesus and would like to know Jesus, get in touch with us. Mm -hmm. Our web yeah. address is in the description. For sure. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today because tomorrow really could be too late. Yeah. Those of you here have heard my testimony coming from Satan to Christ. You heard tonight Christie's testimony coming from the drug world to Christ. No, mat no matter what you're doing, it's not that bad that you can't turn to Christ. You could be a murderer, you could be a mass murderer, you could be a pedophile, you could be a drug dealer, a drug addict, a Satanist, anything. Christ is there waiting for you. So reach out to him. Don't be so uppity and so full of yourself that you're not prepared to come and ask for his forgiveness and he will give it to you. Good night, everyone. Thank you for watching us and God bless until next week or next uh, podcast. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye.